listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast. It's a history thing. I am Spencer. Megan, would Nathan. you like to introduce oh yourself? There, I, yeah, well, you I did. did. I did. I did Fuck. want to because I, only because it went so the time there was an Why interminable is this number so of seconds. Hard? Why have ninety three times? Ninety three fucking times, and we can't get. The, we've known it's each other so for hard. your entire life. How is this not synced yet? Oh my god! I, I, I mean, let's just. Let's just, I'm embarrassed. Let's just do this. I'm convinced it's just because, it's just because we're not in person. It is hard to do over the internet. I guess, yeah, because then you would see both of my hands gesture straight at you like a waiter offering you a, a platter. <laughs> exactly. That's a, I'm like, please, please take this. Nathan, on March 12th, 1784, William Buckland was born in Axminster, Devonshire, Ooh. England. Oh boy, so it was a proper Englishman. Another one. Now. We got another born right. <laughs> another one straight from another, the streets. Another one straight from the countrysides. Put him on. Put a put a newsies cap on him and send him on his. I don't know. Were the newsies there? Was that New York? I I didn't see newsies. I don't. I don't think this surprises anyone that Nathan didn't see newsies. Peaky Blinders. Um, but there uh, you are. Much. <laughs> I I do have to go watch that now because I am now a silly Murphy soon. <laughs> so you know. I, I do have to get caught up on that as part of the ritual. I'm sure I you'll guess. find that Thomas Shelby and uh, Robert Oppenheimer are, are both victims of circumstance. <laughs> Nathan, much like our last doctor, uh, William Buckland's father was a rector. Uh, so he was a clergy member of the Episcopal Church. Is this like a is this like a thing in the upper class? Like you speed like you speed run it, and there's like a, a certain strat you have to follow, and it goes like, all right, you got to go clergy, and then you leap clergy into doctor, and then from there, <laughs> sky's the limit. Yeah, I think there might be something to it. Uh, it might also be okay. that I, I don't know. This is like a, a religious authority position, so it just seems to gravitate towards rich men. I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe we'll find out next episode <laughs> when we complete the, the three. <laughs> Little William would go on frequent walks with his father into town, and Daddy liked to stop and appreciate the progress on local road improvements. Oh, he's one of those guys. He likes to gawk and, and appreciate local infrastructure. You know about this, right? Seriously, this is a thing. There, there's Umarel, are men of retirement age who spend their time watching construction sites, <laughs> especially roadworks, stereotypically with hands clasped behind their back and offering unwanted advice to the workers. <laughs> That's such a big deal in Italy, they had to come up with a term for it. <laughs> <laughs> not a law yet, though. There's not really a law yet against grandpa no, gathers. No, no, nothing. Nothing that says nothing that says you can't do it. This is the last time I checked. This is America, but I don't know about England. England, it could be a whole other. But Italy. I mean, like I kind of thought I knew what you were going for, but that's a whole mood that I hate. <laughs> I just love the idea of dads that go to Home Depot and like point out that they know more than the guys at the home Depot working at the home depot like that's got to be a type of guy too like that's they, they need a new we need a classification for that the uh the real like dad vibe that i understand here is what comes next which is it said that this is where little william would pass the time looking around in the gravel collecting little fossilized shells which is just our father oh, to the tea. Which is just any time you give our father a pile of rocks, he just, he's going to go all <laughs> John Hammond and try and find himself a dinosaur. Just sitting in a lawn chair and bending his spine at a 90 degree angle to root around <laughs> in them rocks. Find a little trilobite, maybe. This is a joke for like five human beings. This is a joke for them. But if you get it, it hits real good, I promise. 
What sucks is Nathan, three of the five aren't going to listen to this. I know. That's it's the just problem. None of them will hear it. It's just us. We're the only ones. The rest of you will die sad. You'll die sadder because of not hearing it. William would go on to attend Blundell's school and then at Winchester College. From there, Ooh, he would uh, he he would win a scholarship to Corpus Christi College in Oxford, uh, and he matriculated. Wait, 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 hold on, oh, I thought, go on. I thought that was in Texas. I thought that was in Texas. I'm, where the hell the fuck to get to Oxford? <laughs> I'm, I'm done, plump confused. He matriculates in 1801, graduates with a BA in 1805. Hi. It is here in the in the dark, dingy spare classrooms beneath the Ashmolean Museum that William Buckland frequented geology lectures by John Kidd, a chemistry and geology professor best known for leading Oxford into its scientific awakening in the 18th and 19th century. Oh, so he's you're the dude that's the that's the backbone of Oxford getting like woke? Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty impressive. Pretty big deal. Cuz Oxford's Oxford's a pretty big. That's a wonder. I have to, it, it takes like 24 turns of production to get that sucker <laughs> on the map. Like that's that's a lot. Big deal, and yet teaching in the basement. It sounds like I know. So he's like the rogue one. That's where you get the real, the real wild cards. <laughs> That's what I want in the scientific world is the wild card. Spencer, uh, <laughs> let me tell you, as someone who, and let's date this episode now, as someone who very recently saw the movie Oppenheimer, I, I now want to know nothing but more <laughs> things about scientific wild cards. Because holy shit, man, those ones, those those people are wild. They got some thoughts. These would have been extracurricular lectures that he was listening to because it was Kidd who would play a role in actually establishing geology as a proper study at Oxford (laughs) and nominating the school's first geological chair, appointing the spot to none other than Buckland himself in 1813. Oh, dear. Okay, hold on. So they literally established geology in in the 1800s? Yeah, they were teaching it much earlier than that, to be clear. But okay. as far as like an okay. actual, I guess, for lack of a better term, as as far as an actual major, not until the 1810s. Okay, I just, it's one of those things that when you think of like science as a thing, like obviously all science started as philosophy and then the more hard sciences just keep obviously. branching off and branching off and leaving less and less. That's a well-established thing. That's not just because I have a philosophy degree. It's true. Um, everything started as philosophy and then it worked its way off. And one of the first sciences that i think would just peel itself off immediately is rocks 101 because man there'd always been rocks always been rocks, rocks. always gonna be rocks always there look at them rocks well so we i jumped- just would have thought that would have been one of the first ones to have to have established itself but it seems like a pretty late comer to the party i know it's a, it's a little bit surprising maybe we thought we knew all there was about rocks and there's no point in doing school <laughs> <laughs> but we've jumped ahead just a little bit because buckland would get his master's in 1808 and become an ordained priest in 1809. Still... Oh, turn! Still, he found time to make frequent horseback excursions throughout England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales to continue exploring his passion for geology. Which is where we get back to his appointment in 1813. Being the so-called reader of mineralogy in succession of John Kidd, Buckland became the unofficial curator of the Ashmolean Museum, which he had literally studied under. Like, underneath it, literally beneath it. <laughs> Physically. Do you get it, gang? Under the ground. Gollum style. It was down style. <laughs> with the rats. There's a little ninja turtle with his with John Kidd's splinter. <laughs> it gave him some official capacity to continue touring around Europe to broaden out the museum's collections. Now, Buckland 
was not a wealthy man, actually, despite the the rector father. Um, <laughs> what you're saying the the the, the man, men of the cloth aren't coming up with big. Actually, I so they, some of them do. I'm just some gonna say some do. of them do. Some of them do. Some of them do. Uh, and and in in last case, um, Ma- messenger. Why am I forgetting his name? Messenger Monzi. His dad Mr. was a rector. Mr. how and, did you forget the name whoa. of that goddamn Quaker Oats Crypt Keeper? <laughs> he inherited a sizable sum from daddy. Um, but not the case. Not the case this time with Buckland. All right. And so to afford these work trips, because Oxford's apparently not reimbursing him either, he would host his own lecture series and they would be paid. You would need to pay an admittance fee. And to draw in fee-paying students, Buckland would spice up the lectures by throwing in animated performances racy jokes uh overall trying to just make it a memorable lecture from what i understand because i don't watch it but from from what i understand through cultural osmosis he did john and hank green with yeah. a patreon <laughs> to make money kind kind of kind of <laughs> um with a little bit of bill nye the science guy thrown in for a some little bit good of, measure a little bit of bill nye if there if like he wasn't working with children and so you know, Bill like Nye after dark. Maybe, maybe there wasn't a guarantee that the lecturer is not going to reach out and touch you, kind of thing. Like it, it's like one of those haunted <laughs> here's, houses. Here's an interesting question: Why have have we has someone explored the concept of hey, sometimes people are do drugs and like to watch things that are pleasant? Uh, can we do Bill Nye but for adults a little bit, like just a little bit, just do some fun science experiments for me, Bill? Teach me some things about how the world works. That'd be fun. Something tells me, I think, if I remember right, Bill did, in fact, tr- Mr. William Nye tried to do that uh, comeback tour where I do it for adults this time. And if I'm also remembering right, it sucked. Uh, I, th- I think it turns out he's a bit oh, of a no. prick. Oh, no. I feel like here's the problem is that at this point, yeah, at this point, he doesn't feel like he wanted to be there and have fun. He feels like he's a, a crotchety old asshole. And I don't want the cynicism, Bill. No, I, I still want Bob Ross. I want him. But just just for me. Just just so, just without the children around, so I don't feel creepy about it. An average Buckland lecture could expect some amount of mimicking the movements of an ancient hyena while he held <laughs> the creature's skull up to his own face. And then he would lunge but- out at you in the front row, screaming something about how the animal with the biggest stomach always came out on top. Can we hold on now? I, I do need Which to part of that do you have questions do- about? <laughs> I so a lot um, really it's a fundamental question. Um He's a geologist, no? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Why is he doing zoology? <laughs> well, I'm turns very out confused. The geology turned out to be something of a segue into paleontology for him. Oh, so he's a bone. He's a bone boy. He's yeah. He started as a he rock started boy. with rock. He and started with rocks, and then all of a sudden, one day while digging in a rock, he's like, "What's this? Oh dear." It's a pelvis. I feel things I didn't feel before. Much as a geodude becomes a golem, he he went from a rock enjoyer to a to a bone fan. Yeah, so he likes so he likes bones. He likes bones, and he's a very animated lecturer, which is how he funds his uh, work trips to go try and pat out the museum's collection that he works at. I mean, that's a pretty nice side hustle. I mean, that's a committed yeah. guy right there. You want you want that kind of guy in your organization for sure. Committed to his craft, you know, he's clearly passionate on yeah. the subject. Um, yeah. Buckland was also a member of the Society of Acclimatization of Animals. Uh-oh. I don't like that. You read I don't, that one. I don't like that. You've read that correctly, Nathan, because this and other 
Acclimatization societies were groups that endeavored to bring non-native species to new climates in the hopes that they would acclimatize. Mm-mm. Just adapt. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. These that's, w- that's that's bringing hippos. They're bringing hippos. It's the hippo time. Uh-huh. Bringing hippos. Bringing hippos, bringing hyenas, bringing whatever the fuck they want. This guy's got a thing for hyenas, so I'm pretty sure that was up there. These I don't w- like... I. Why? What For what point and purpose? Well, well, uh, they were a byproduct of the colonial era and the colonial mindset. So, you know, when people decided that they would go places that they didn't belong. Um, I gave up. I gave up that life, Spencer. Don't make me. Don't take me back there. The goal was to enrich the native plants and animals by introducing new things. Uh, you know, like when you give a p- elephant a pumpkin in its zoo exhibit and it gets to squish it and it feels happy again for a minute. Uh, as opposed to the way that this always works, which is invasive species come and have no natural predators and completely <laughs> destroy an ecosystem. What the fuck are you talking about? We all know how this train ends. Well, yeah, ever, you know, William and the other, you know, 1800s colonial, they thought the fox here in England must be so bored. <laughs> It must be so bored being a fox in England. I should introduce a chimpanzee. That'll spice up life. I'm also going to give it a gun. Let's go. And, Learn to adapt. And here's your poison ivy and your Japanese beetle. Go nuts. Go nuts, my friend. Uh, um, oh, God. The... So not only that, not only did they, I think, think they were doing a favor to the plants and animals of their homeland, uh, but they wanted to they wanted to both bring things that were familiar to them to their new homes overseas. When they go to North America, they they want to have stuff that's familiar to them. Um, That's what it is. That's more. This makes much more sense of like. I can imagine just like some American expat in Vietnam complaining that they don't have a McDonald's and like it's that exactly, kind of shit. Like that's exactly that what it kind is. of shit is what. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot. And they're like, but I must have my uh, a French bulldog with me. And I'm like, that thing will die. It's a hundred percent humidity right now. That thing is dead. It is already <laughs> dead. Why are you doing this? Daggone it, if I can't bring my cicadas with me, I'll, it ain't home. <laughs> oh, no. Where where's, the kud, where's the kudzu? <laughs> I don't feel at home without the kudzu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Buckland's Deanery at the uh, at Oxford. Uh, I wrote in at the Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> in my notes. The Oxford University. They're starting a football team. They're getting legit. That joke is for no one that listens to this show, but you can't. It's not even for me. That's what I'm saying. No one involved except me. Alex, you're out there, buddy. And Painter, you're there too. Get on. Buckland's Deanery at the Oxford was home to eagles, snakes, monkeys, and a hyena named Billy. (laughs) Named Billy. Of course. I'm just saying hyena is a weird choice of thing to have around human beings. Um, It's a weird choice of thing to have anywhere. I don't, it's, it's a strange animal. Leave it where it belongs. Turns out uh, this is an extremely dangerous practice that leads to the widespread death and destruction of native species at the hands of things like starlings and the kudzu vine. Uh, it is such a Aha, no-brainer. You called it. I knew you'd get there. It's such a no-brainer <laughs> bad idea today, today, that it, it would be like if 50 years ago we had an air freshener society where volunteers came out to dump aerosols into the sky as fast as possible. <laughs> It's just like, wow, no shit. That's a dumb idea, huh? Apparently didn't think so at the time. In 1815, 
Buckland and John Kidd were investigating a gravel pit um, that over the next nine years would yield <laughs> Looking for dinosaur bones. Looking for fossils <laughs> in that gravel pit, baby. Well, One handful at a time. Well, as, as it so happens, this quarry would yield over the next nine years numerous large bones of what appeared to be large quadruped lizards. Hell yeah! Dinosaur time! Buckland's reconstruction formed what he described as a large amphibian that walked on four legs uh, with that, a mighty, mighty tail. Wow. Hold on. Amphibian. So we're talking a large frog? Yeah, that's what he's suspecting. Something A large frog man? He is suspecting a very large frog. A large salamander, With a huge maybe. tail. That's like a dragon. Oh, yes. A large salamander is basically a dragon that goes in the water. And what he didn't quite understand... Uh, was that he was looking at a theropod dinosaur that would later come to be known as Megalosaurus. And perhaps this explanation wasn't readily apparent to him, considering this would go on to be the first creature ever properly named and classified as a dinosaur. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> what I'm not, I'm You're, not saying he man, has discovered the first dinosaur. Okay, this is very important because it very much sounds like you did. He has discovered an example of the first dinosaur we ever named. Ah, there we are. Okay, but he's still this early in the game. He's still really early in the game. And this is still a big find, of course. Big enough that they oh, were getting course. it wrong and thinking it was a giant for it was a big amphibian with a tail. <laughs> big salamander. <laughs> so wait, so so imagine a big salamander, big like big crocodile kind of thing. Like I'm just it, and it I, just seems very strange. And I can kind of I, I can vaguely get it because it, for context, a megalosaurus is a T-Rex shaped critter. Um, so it's got smaller oh, it? arms up at the front, and huge legs in the back. Uh, so I can see why it thought that this only made sense in a frog position. And he did not consider that this thing ran on two legs. <laughs> so you're telling me this thing is, sim is again, T-Rex shaped. Shaped, yes. To a certain extent. But you said he found a four leg. So this man assumed that all the legs were just thick with two C's. Uh -huh. <laughs> all the toes had to be on the ground. That is oh, what he no. knew. And he saw some powerful hoppers if this thing was squatting that low. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't like this. Big old explosive sticks on that on them hips. But Buckland being both a, a geologist and an ordained priest, he had an interesting <laughs> contradiction going on here. Wait a minute. Hold on a fucking second. Was, uh, I'm a rock scientist, but I also love the Lord. Oh, fuck. Dinosaurs. That means the world wasn't made seven days ago. Oh, shit. This whole thing's falling apart now. <laughs> there, there are truly two wolves inside this man right now. <laughs> Anybody who studies paleontology and geology is going to eventually have to reconcile some cognitive dissonance when it comes to the creation mythos of a, of a biblical flood and a 6,000 year old earth and so on and so on and so on. I mean, I mean, I, you, they're going to have to confront the fact that they're going straight to hell for asking questions they shouldn't be asking. I think they need to uh, get on the straight and narrow. Hello, Grandma. For not seeing Satan's trickery for what it is. Who do you think put that bones down there? Come on now. I hide Easter eggs for my child. They hid bones. We, we get it. Why, why can't all these paleontologists understand that these gravel workers are playing tricks on them? Why can't they see a prank for what it is? They're so gullible. It's the bone fairy. She's... <laughs> Now, Buckland didn't just reconstruct the first so-called dinosaur. He also did some important work involving Kirkdale Cave, 
discovered by quarry workers in England in 1821. How many quarries they got? Shit, quarry they got a lot. Get represented. They had to make a lot of roads, so they needed a lot of gravel. I thought the Romans did that. Well, those roads were all shit by this point. <laughs> we had to we had to refill ah, them. Ah, Man, I've been on Highway 44. It's uh, fuck it. There's no standards. <laughs> we're good. Give me a Roman road any day. The cave was filled with animal bones of pretty large size. And so the workers assumed they were diseased cattle that had been dumped in here during some forgotten epidemic. That is one thing you can assume. Some very creative quarry workers. That I was about to say, that is, I see hoof prints, I think zebras. Diseased <laughs> zebras. Methinks one of these guys was like moonlighting as a romance writer. He had some very, this very is a real big doc- ideas. It's a real do- no, it's again, back to our father. It's just a Dr. House enthusiast. <laughs> they have to throw out like lupus as the first guy. They can't be with this low T, low energy <laughs> fucking like, oh, it's probably cancer. Like, no, we got to get crazy with it. Got to find some wacky shit that'll get us sued for the medical board because we're addicted to pills. And so the bones were then taken and used by the quarrymen to fill some nearby potholes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, fill my potholes, you bitch-ass dinosaur. (laughs) Well, infrastructure appreciators like William Buckland would go on to see these bones and think, yeah, those ain't cattle bones. (laughs) Oh, no. I know bones. Them ain't cow bones, son. And eventually, you've got scholars flocking to the cave to sniff out this mystery at its source. The bones appeared to belong to hyenas, hippos, and other animals that don't exactly belong in 1800s England. Oh, shit. We're going to get some Noah's Ark goddamn lost island nonsense, aren't we? This ain't good. Well, early projections in the 1820s, including those from Buckland himself, suggested that the bones must have been deposited into the cave by way of a massive flood, which Buckland and others believed to be Noah's flood from the Bible. Okay, there we go. I was about to say, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I've, I've hit 50%. 50%. Bring me home, country roads. Buckland would later begin to question this idea, though. Oh, really? Something about the something didn't strike him as accurate. Something fell a little off. Well, hey, that's look. I'm gonna clap my hands for him on this one. If you're an ordained priest and that's a question that still lingers there, there's still hope. There is good in you yet, I, Father. I, I, I can feel what? it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> There was no apparent means of entry into the ceiling of the cave, and the bones were of a considerable size, such that their intact corpses couldn't have fit through the narrow entrances into the cave's walls. In fact, the bones were so large, they only resembled modern hyenas and hippos in shape. The scale was almost obscenely large. Now, this might have led other scholars to question whether they were another animal entirely, but Buckland found evidence of fossilized dung that almost perfectly matched those of modern hyenas and fang marks on the bones as well. <laughs> and he'd know. If anyone knows what hyena shit looks like, it's Mr. Buckland. <laughs> I see this sh- I see this daily, every day. I brought some in a pouch. Old Reverend Buckland knows exactly what your shit looks like. He's got a chart. This was an ancient hyena den, evidence of a wildly different ecosystem that once existed on the now English Isles. Some were skeptical. Wow. So, so, so hold on. So hold on. So theoretically, if he wanted to acclimatize his beloved hyenas, he could just bring them home and be like, look, they were already here. They're indigenous. <laughs> land back to hyenas. <laughs> I am on stolen hyena land. 
I would like to acknowledge that, sir. This is a PTA meeting. <laughs> Bring them home. Some were skeptical and were even critical of Buckland's new hypothesis, but the Royal Society went as far as to award him. The prestige would shape the future of his academic career, cementing him as an early paleontologist. Oh, shit. All right. All right. Taking a chance on the young buck with some wild ideas. Buckland's findings collided with the biblical young earth theories, indicating an epoch of Earth's history so immense that there simply wasn't room for it in the creation mythos. He had to reconcile some big things, first by suggesting that the Bible's first words, quote, in the beginning, referenced an undefined period between the Earth's origins and the arrival of humans. So now he's at the bargaining stage. I was about to say, all right, we can give a little bit. Let's do some stuff for interpretation. Let's do a little wiggle wiggle. He even believed that while the Kirkland cave was evidence of this previously unknown epoch, that it contained a thin layer of mud strata that he concluded must have come from the biblical flood. Must have. There is obviously no other explanation other than Noah's flood. There can't be. Come on. It's obvious. But as the decade transpired, he became more and more skeptical, saying in a controversial 1831 paper that there was no geological evidence of the biblical deluge ever occurring. Oh, snap! We got Top him. rope! We got him! <laughs> Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. We're doing facts and logic. New atheists, rise up. Let's go. Let's be annoying <laughs> on the internet again. <laughs> I think there's, there's... Sam Harris doing these days. Where's, <laughs> where's Sam Harris being an obnoxious prick these days? I think there's a lot of people on the on the old World Wide Web that deserve to know I don't like church. I think it's boring <laughs> on Sundays, and I'd rather be playing Xbox. Oh, God. Get the fedoras. But Buckland was interested in far more than just his career. After all, he had a wife and children, and he hosted lavish dinner parties for his friends, and he had quite a collection of animals in his home, both living and dead. Buckland had the the usual backyard chickens, uh, but he also had... Oh, the, everyone, everyone's got those, Nathan. Everybody has backyard chickens. Everyone has backyard chickens. Like, everyone has a train coming through their living room. Oh, surely the people at home can't hear that. <laughs> I can hear it, for fuck's sake! Well, that's just... Th that's the power of Apple AirPods, too. <laughs> Sponsored by... Oppenheimer and I, I, AirPods. We got, a, we got a real damn good double dip this week, gang. The people tried to get us to sell dildos. They stopped calling. Who called Chris Nolan? Said I want in. Only on the AirPods Pro Max should you watch Oppenheimer on your <laughs> iPad Pro. <laughs> Chris Nolan would cry a single tear like that one Native American commercial, and he would. It would just. It wouldn't be good. He'd be very sad. He'd be very sad if you. He doesn't want you to listen to it like that, gang. He wants you to go to the no, movies. No, no, no. You need to sit on a subwoofer the size of your car. You really do. You need to be assaulted. Christopher Nolan wants you to be assaulted for three hours by a th subwoofer right in your right in your grill. It is. He has thoughts about how to how to experience a movie, and they involve tummy trouble later because of vibrations. <laughs> well, he had the usual backyard chickens, as I said, but he also had the more unusual foxes. And a giant tortoise. Wait, it's England, right? He is still in Devonshire, am I correct? Correct. Or is, yes. he, is he gone? 
Or he's not in Devonshire anymore. He's probably in Oxford. He's in yeah, Oxford, yeah, he's, he's somewhere in England, wherever the hell Oxford is. But he's in is. fancy lad town. He's in, he's in fancy lad town. Um, are foxes that unique there? I thought they were pretty a foxy place, like all the fox hunts and all that kind of shenanigans and whatnot. This might surprise you, Nathan. It might. They're usually not pets. I see. That's hard to know because when you say the fox hunts, don't they? Are they hunting the fox? Oh, they're hunting the yes, foxes. Yes, Nathan. They're aren't killing they? the fox. What, I... Yeah. What, what did you think they're hunting? Do you think man domesticated the fox? <laughs> I was very concerned. I may have forgotten how this worked. I was involved in discourse about this at one point. I don't know, deer hunts. When man turns his deer into the wood to go (laughs) track down his prey. (laughs) Man and deer works together. The squirrel hunt, where the squirrel helps you hunt down a nice piece of cheese. (laughs) A a stray nut. I had some joke about uh, about the, getting the fucking foxes and chickens and the tortoise across the river, but now I just want to talk about this, Nathan. <laughs> I just sorry. want to stay here. I'm sorry to ruin you. I'm sorry to ruin your bit with my complete black. To enhance my bed. podcasting experience, why would you be sorry? <laughs> oh, Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> really, it'll fuck you up eventually. And he even had a personal quest. A bit of a uh, like a oh, bucket wait. list that he wanted to go down. Okay, all right. William Buckland wanted to eat one of every animal on Earth. That's no. Oh God, no, no. He's a quora question. Why? <laughs> no, he's a quora man. No. Why? Why does he need to do this? This is like ranking Pokemon by like sexual attraction. Like this is, you don't need to. I know that you can. I know that it's in front of you, but you don't have to. What follows, Nathan, is perhaps the worst reimagining of the very hungry caterpillar. I can't help I know. Buckland's so favorite dish. So much so that it became part of the household menu was mice on toast. Fuck you. Fuck you, you Dr. Seuss ass motherfucker. Mice on toast. <laughs> Fuck off. That shit was like if you're you have company over and you think the most eccentric thing they're gonna ask is, hey, you know, I've got like I've got water, I've got milk in the fridge. You want some milk? <laughs> Guest in my home. No, at Buckland's house, it's do you would you like some are you are you peckish? Care for some mice? On toast? On toast. I'm not a savage. On toast? On baguette? I could put some sriracha on there if you want to get wild, but... <laughs> oh, no. He was also oh, said God. to have hosted dinner parties where he... Which, I first, I would go to exactly one Buckland dinner party and never again. <laughs> the end. We bought a zoo and then we turned it into a <laughs> killing field. <laughs> he hosted dinner parties where he dined on garden snails. Hedgehog, porpoise, <laughs> panther, okay. and even puppy. Oh, I oh, now I'm just sad. For a while, it was just boring. <laughs> I don't care if you want to eat snails, dude. That's what. That's your prerogative. Like you didn't, that's, your no, heart that's, didn't weep for the hedgehog. They're adorable. Kind of, I guess. I like Sonic, um, but I don't. I don't. I, I didn't. I mean, we eat things that I think. I think cows are adorable. Then I want to give a pat on the head. But I still will send them back there and go, steak, please. Mm-mm. I said literally having eaten a steak less than three hours ago. Yeah, no, I don't I don't get it. Uh, but then you got to puppy and porpoise. And porpoise is just dolphin, right? Panther just even. Do- you just said dolphin without saying dolphin. Uh-huh. 
He ate, yeah, he ate a dolphin. And then you said panther. And panther's a cat, and I don't know any other cats that we eat. Like, cat, that seems like a whole genre of animal that's off limits. None, as far as I know. They're too sinewy. <laughs> Too jacked. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Well, don't. Mm, yeah, no, they're all muscle. You don't. You've got any, any any marbling in there. You gotta. gotta uh, I don't know. Now, remember his society for acclimatization. I do, and I don't like that. Was he trying to acclimatize animals as like livestock? I, it's possible they had the that group that club uh, when they asked Buckland to, I guess, bring something to the potluck. They had the luxury of eating sea slugs, kangaroo, oh! and curacao. <laughs> And, and uh, what Curacao? It's like a it's like a pheasant. It's not it's not that crazy. Curacao is like a country, like a like an <laughs> island country. Yes, and I'm a, pretty and a sure small, it is. And a small Guyanese I'm, man. I'm, well, Spencer, a lot of things we've talked about a lot of things on this show, and uh, after ninety three of these, I don't rule things out anymore. I really need proactive evidence. He brought he brought rats. He brought cats. He brought a Cherokee man. Just oh, God damn it. Kangaroo, I will add, also not actually that exotic. I mean, like Australians eat that like deer. It's no, it's not. I'm not saying I didn't cringe at kangaroo because no, that seems like a that just seems like livestock but I different. would I would I, cringe at, as a I, my my opinion means shit. I haven't eaten meat in like eight years. But I I couldn't eat a kangaroo because it has the upper body of a man. It's got the jacked <laughs> arms of a dude. <laughs> So this is like where Machamp is a step too far in Pokemon. Because exactly. like, what are you doing? What are you doing, sir? Precisely. Uncanny mm. Valley. It feels too close to eating like an ape. I don't like it. So centaurs, just that wouldn't be, you couldn't do that. No, Nathan, it wouldn't eat. Centaurs are sentient. No, I wouldn't eat them. I'm not going to well, eat something no, that knows its fucking though? name. What if they weren't, though? What if they were reverse centaurs? What if it was horse <laughs> up top? You're saying if it was okay. part down below. What if that was the option? What I if, would is feel, that okay? Nathan, would it walk on two legs? <laughs> what, like two human legs or is it four human legs? <laughs> well, hold on. Is it's it a bipedal? It's a megalosaur, so let's just imagine a T-Rex, but you gave it real thick ones and then put it on all fours. That looks ridiculous Ugh. to us now, but maybe Buckland thought he had something going. I don't know. I'm going to say no. I'm going to be bold. I'm, I'm going to probably come across the coward <laughs> the and say no. hot take. Hot take. I would not eat I the reverse centaur. I would not eat centaur. something with the legs of a man and the upper body of a horse. <laughs> not even legs. Not just like, like a, whole, a lot I'm, of stuff. Like, I'm ready to be crucified much. for this opinion. <laughs> this is how we get canceled. It's finally <laughs> happening. <laughs> I am I'm truly brave to to leave this in the episode. <laughs> Barry Weiss is going to have an op-ed about you very soon. Among the worst tasting things that he had eaten, which I would be I'd be very fascinated. That would probably oh, be my first question. I was about to say if anyone is qualified, proceed. Uh among the worst tasting were the common mole, crocodile very meat, interesting, and blue bottle fly. Oh, come on. Fuck off. Fly, fuck you. What, how many you got to eat? Fill a billion of them to get fly? What are you talking about? Fly? Fuck off. Hey, I, I would assume it's covered in like a very potent kind of chemical sort of taste. It's like I imagine blue bottle fly tastes like a switch cartridge. Like you don't need a lot of I, it, but a small taste is enough. Other than for like an achievement, other than for you're trying to 100% food, I don't buy. It, just fuck you. And, and his goal was animals. His goal was to eat all the animals. So I don't know why insects are so in here, Why are right? the bugs even in here? Hang on, wait. Hang bugs on. Gotta, aren't animals. I got to tap my wife. One second. Brittany? Tap her. Are insects animals? 
Are they? No. no? Okay, good. I'm, no. good. I'm not dumb. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to make sure. That was cool. That was extra okay. credit. He was doing the blue bottle fly for, that was just like on his hand. They that, are? But that's oh, even less. What? Oh shit. She says yes, they would be in Kingdom Animalia. Oh no. He's got to eat all the bugs, Nathan. Oh, fuck off. This Again, I did Now, let's not be real. I've watched Anthony Bourdain. Bugs, you can eat bugs. Bugs are fine. But I feel like this is even in the bug world. Blue bottle flies low tier. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you've yeah, got, like, yeah. crickets and stuff. Right. Like, things that got some crunch to them. Things, you know, you got some that people you fry up and you know, get some something Cajun, throw it in a pot, and, like, and you eat it with some hot sauce. Like, I can see bugs that do that. Fly? Mm -mm, not high on the list. Doesn't I just see that think, way. like, I, I would have, I don't know. If I were Buckland and, and I'm setting up this challenge for myself, including making it the whole kingdom of Animalia, including bugs, is you're making it too fucking hard on yourself. You're making it literally impossible. I think his only benefit maybe is that since he's a museum curator, he could just pop the glass open and then just kind of eat all the extras. <laughs> they don't have to be well, alive. No, honestly, he can just write off all of these meals as business expenses is what he was doing, <laughs> that greedy bastard. We've had a strange burglary, Work expense Dean. account's been getting robbed. Blo Oxford's getting bent over. So sorry, Mr. Oxford. They broke in yet again. That's right. They went for all... They went for all of the Beatles this time. All of the oh, Beatles. Oh, no. I have what in my teeth? I'm sorry. Hang on. <laughs> His illustrious taste index wasn't just for animals, though. Whenever he worked on dig sites, he'd try to hone the ability to identify a mineral just by popping a pebble of it in his mouth. <laughs> Here's the problem. I, I, I wish I had a funnier answer than this. In the year of our Lord, 2012, I enrolled in a uh, college course. Uh, that was Geology 101. Uh, I affectionately called it Rocks 101 the whole time because I took it no seriously at all. I didn't care. Uh-huh. Uh, and in that class in the year of our Lord 2012, there was still a portion of the practical laboratory function of that class that involved us putting rocks in our mouths to determine well, what kind of rock they were. Oh. I, I, I just need that to be on the record. This, this isn't a... This isn't unusual, you're telling me. Um, uh, What I'm telling you is if it is, it's it's apparently something that the rock people are into. Is that how you're, you're supposed into, to... If, you're, if you cosplay as a Goron, <laughs> not you know. If you're trying to tell the difference in fool's gold and gold, are you supposed to suck on it? Is that what you're supposed... Is that a thing? I believe it is. I believe it was something like calcium or pyrite or like something like that. It was one of these rocks that like tasted salty. I think it was probably calcium or sodium or something like that. Um, but one of them you identified by, does it taste salty? Amazing. Yeah. And that was just, I had to do, we put rocks in our mouths. You've, st you've like, you've completely staggered me. I, I've lost my footing. I've lived through a, I've lived, everyone listening to this has lived through a global pandemic. Uh, less than a decade prior, we were just shoving rocks in our mouths communally. <laughs> I wonder how this, <sighs> I, it must have been a diabolical leak at the biological lab center or just a bunch of morons were putting rocks in their mouth for fun. <laughs> Who knows? Nathan, I, I think whenever any of us are getting into a hobby, we imagine all the scenarios where someone is going to step up to us and ask us to use that weird skill to save the day. Spencer, the amount of times that I've waited for Barack Obama to give us a call and be like, boys, we have a need. This country needs you. I the, we, the, 
it's no, it's Nazis 2.0, and they don't know how to laugh. But we have a Def Jam comedy <laughs> battle against them coming up. Uh, we need we need you boys on the back end. We're gonna open the show with you, and then and then get into the real stuff. You got it in you. Uh, that's that's gonna happen one of these days. I know it. Well, on one of his many trips through Europe. Buckland and his cohort were visiting an Italian cathedral somewhere between 1825 and 1835. That is a pretty wide It's gap a wide of range. Time. Nobody felt the need to jot it down. <laughs> it's 10 fucking years. Somebody Jesus remembered Christ. this 10 years later, I guess. Uh the local legend was that the walls and floors of this cathedral were constantly slick because the ever-flowing blood of martyrs ran thick in the hollowed halls and would seep out over time. That's pretty metal. Ah, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty Curse of Strahd, baby. I'm into it. Buckland sniffed the air, looked up at the ceiling, and then dropped to his knees and licked the floor. Uh, and Spencer, here's the problem. I, I want to laugh at that like it's ridiculous, but again, 10 years ago, rocks in the mouth. Answering a, a challenge that nobody had made to him, Buckland smacked <laughs> his lips and nodded his head, and then he confidently declared that the slick substance was bat urine. Well, Spencer, I remember. See, here's the problem. I was talking. Don't tell about me about your life science still- class where you all sucked on bat piss. Don't tell me about this. <laughs> Don't tell me about this terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> no. No, I don't have anything. That was the problem. Is I, I thought the rocks licking i could defend and I, I felt i was like oh i feel kinship with the maybe one day we too will be looked at as the monsters for what we have thought and done in <laughs> word and deed and then you said he was bat piss and he was familiar enough with it to make that a declaration and i'm just now questioning a lot of things about this man's life and habits this is a fucked up dr doolittle and i don't like any of it bats to william buckland were like fruit gushers <laughs> just this is the fucking this is the fucking bizarro world dr doolittle like this is evil (laughs) this is wario dr doolittle it's just one of those arguments that is not worth winning the smug (laughs) the smug satisfaction hands on hips still kind of you must feel like such fools blood of martyrs my ass (laughs) and and spencer when i tell you again New atheists, rise up. Your time is here. We got your man. Put this man in the pantheon right next to Hitchens and and Dawkins and all the rest of them. That's how you fucking sound. Well, actually. Oh, my God. So bad. Oh, Christ. Why? Why, sir? In 1848, a 64-year-old Buckland was invited to dinner at the Noonan Estate by one Lord Harcourt. It was at this dinner that Lord Harcourt passed around a silver locket for all the high society types to appreciate. In it was a sliver of gray flesh. A piece of the mummified heart of King Louis XIV. And this motherfucker just slapped it in his mouth and he just sucked it down. Just sucked it down like a goddamn oyster. He just... Yeah. It looks chewy, but it's somewhere between somewhere yeah, uh-huh. between cow's penis and uh and eels eels yeah you, somewhere I, between there that's that's what louis the 14th heart tastes like i can accurately say that uh-huh. i am god yeah it show and tell it got passed around to him and he just went <laughs> just <laughs> ate that shit it that, ate that, that shit it can't 
It cannot be. That was the most ludicrous option I could. And that's why I had no joy in it. I had no joy in getting there before you, but I knew it it, it couldn't have been, but it must be. And that's so, it's so bad. It's, I, how, how, it, how, let me, why let's, did they have it? Thank Where you. I would love to paint from? that. How did love he to set get that up. it? What the fuck is happening? Apparently, the French had a rather Egyptian tradition of removing the organs of their dead and mummifying them, uh, going all the way back to the 13th century. Traditionally, the king would, in his life, dictate where he wanted his heart to end up. Louis XIV, for example, he wanted his to go beside his father's on a velvet pillow in a crystal case. And then the French did what the French do and revolted. Hell yeah. Um, And from there, the heart went on a bit of a flat Stanley journey around the continent. Uh, so a bunch of like noble rich people who consider that a delicacy are like, we must get it out of town. Come, <laughs> save it. Come, my children, get to safer lands. Sanctuary. Sending them out like stark children into the night. In all likelihood, before it arrived in the estate of an English family here, the remainder of King Louis's heart was ground into mummy dust to be used as a pigment, mummy brown. Oh, I thought I thought it would be for the snorting of it. I thought because I that was a thing. Yeah, it's um, true. Could all, have been either yeah, one. That was thought it was that one too. But they instead made they made paint with him. They made, they made paint out of Louis the Fourteenth, and then they made that paint into like a little. They infused it with gold, and they painted little gold flakes on it, and they put it on a stake. And that salt bay guy, salt bay guy came in and was like, <laughs> and then someone ate that shit. And then John Buckland or whatever the fuck his first name is showed up and was like, Nah, actually that's like a tier three meal right there i know i know all food i know all things all tastes all 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 things i have become one I'm like that blue dude and watchman there is an early episode on the dollop for anybody curious about mummies uh the, the very early episode of the dollop where they talk about like mummy dust snorting it making they paint, do all that they crazy do. shit it's in the theme song for a long time speaking of crazy shit william buckland grabbed that piece of heart and put it in his mouth oh okay, of course he did we all know he did the problem is one of the consequences in the middle of show and tell william so rude <laughs> he gave some warning nathan because when the locket was passed to him he remarked <clears throat> smug shoulders back i've eaten many strange things but i have never eaten the heart of a king before and honestly, that's all it takes for him. That's it. That's all it takes to get on the list. It just needs to be something he's never done. It's binary. He's a computer. It's binary. <laughs> it there is, is no there is no nothing. It's ones or it's zeros. I have consumed this or I have it. I'm an eldritch god and I have wrecked you have I'm wrecked upon your shores and I will consume you one by one until I can rank all of you on a scale of one <laughs> to a billion of what is the tastiest. <laughs> Oh, this is an interesting insight. So you're thinking now he div- he divvies it up amongst like types of things, like the, I've had he, I've had I, king he human piss at this point. What are you, t- are you mm, table? Mm, yes, that's a forty-seven on the scale. Well, that's of course I've eaten a lion. I've also eaten an absentee father lion. I have eaten an <laughs> orphaned lion. I've eaten an ambivalent lion. I just don't. It's like, does he keep eating all of them? Or is it just like, what, like, tasting menu styles? Like, I can't imagine he's, like, got access to the Serengeti to, like, really mow these. How is he getting these things? He's just like, hey, I uh, killed a, killed an antelope. There's that, there's that weird professor dude at Oxford that eats anything, right? You want to send it to him? Like, (laughs) 
He'll fucking do anything. He's on he's on fear factor and he doesn't give a fuck, man. He's just chowing down with Rogan. He loves it. The truth is, Nathan, I I really do not know what the room's reaction was. Some say there was vacant stares of disbelief. Others say the room burst into laughter. While others still say that at least half of the fucking room knew what William Buckland was about to do and they were not surprised. Okay, because half the room are have a brain stem attached. <laughs> have yes, met him, have heard of him. That's exactly the response I had in the year of our Lord 2023. I, we all knew where this was going. Don't act surprised, you deviants. Whatever the reaction, it was not enough to stop him from getting an esteemed burial plot at Westminster Abbey when he died in 1856 at the age of 72. Well, here's the problem. Once you consume the king, you it, it is almost Highlander rules. You know, you have taken he on becomes. his power. <laughs> that there is something to be said for that. You know, it's a mystery. Actually, we don't. Shakespeare's skull is missing from his grave. It's just a thing. It's a fact. And I think I know where it went. <laughs> I think he was touring Damn. his cemetery plots, and I think he just cracked that shit open. Mine. I'm not positive that's where he's buried, but still. You've been listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast. <laughs> it's a history thing. It is. It is a history How do you feel thing. about Willie? I love I love that boy. I couldn't remember his name at any point except Buckland. And even then, I wasn't really sure that that was it. Uh, but man, he was a psycho. He was one of the real good ones. He had some... He was... Ooh, he had some, some, some real derangements of sorts because that's... You're not built right and wanting to eat everything like that's a, <laughs> at the very least that's pica at the very least he just had pica and had the resources to turn it into a, a affectation as opposed to a crippling disease yeah 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 no it's just a matter of all it's like the difference between soup and medicine and, and, and poison is the dose it's that but for wackiness when you have money like things become wacky eccentricities when you're rich and they're just like debilitating things if you're not there there is a uh there's a completionist kind of person out there who will try anything at least once and reading this story is how i know that i'm not one of them <laughs> Yeah, the problem is, is he took that literally as in everything. Every possible sensory experience can be I quantified, will have it all. and I will have them. Life is nothing but a flight for me, an everything flight. I'll have an Earth flight. I'm going to have a little bit of all of it. Just a little I want bit. the Applebee's sampler platter, and I want it to include all of eternity. If you folks have ever wanted to send us an episode suggestion, and you don't know me personally, well, uh, that's on you. You had five years. Um, you cannot find us on <laughs> Facebook or Twitter anymore. We do still have a YouTube page. Do still have that, uh, but I think that's got like 40 episodes on it. I should probably catch up on that. That does link back to our email, though, because I'm an insane person who thought that was necessary for his podcast to have an email. So you can email us at cockandbullpodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank Dripless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song The Rebuffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. Rate and review us on iTunes. That's like the, the most use on anything you're listening to us. Rate and review us. That's just the easiest way you can help out the show. And otherwise, you can catch us next week. 